Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to a good football show. I am Matt Straub. It is Thursday, September 2nd. We have one week to go until the season opening NFL kickoff. Cowboys at the Bucks on NBC. And today we're going to be attempting to build the perfect, we'll use that term loosely, fantasy roster. We're going to go round by round and put together a realistic and hopefully good roster based on Yahoo ADP. I'm joined by John Daigle, Pat Doherty, and Denny Carter. And guys, before we get started, I'm just going to say it. It looks like Denny's going to make it to the start of the season. This long, protracted legal battle continues to drag on. I believe there's a hearing in a municipal court today, but thus far, none of Pat's firings have gone through. Uh, listen, I, first, I, I want to say shout out to U.S. labor laws. They're not as bad as I thought in keeping this job. I wish they were labor lawyers. They're corporate lawyers. If you follow Denny's Twitter, you would have no idea the kind of lawyers he knows. Denny, um, Denny also has the first pick, so uh, we're not out of the woods just yet. You're still, very, you're still four days and a holiday, true. so maybe the paperwork is just delayed. Yeah, Judge Good. Tomlinson said he'd be watching your first pick very closely, and that oh. if you didn't take uh, a running back, that the court would consider that uh, heavily. I've never even heard of the running backs at this ADP. This is going to be a problem. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. In the task here today is to attempt to build an ideal fantasy roster based on average draft position. We're going to be pulling from Yahoo, as I said. So we'll be picking out of the 10 spot in a 12-team setup, one quarterback league here so to speak. So Pat, Daigle, Denny, you guys are going to alternate picks. That means Denny will soon be on the clock at number 10 overall. And as Daigle said, with a fresh chance to get fired, uh, anyone have anything to add here in terms of the setup before we just jump right in? This is kind of the standard setup you'll find on Yahoo and on ESPN kind of across the internet. Just yeah, quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, just the normal flex. We don't have two flex spots, which a lot of leagues are going to, you should go to, Uh, it just makes it more fun. Yeah. Kind of, in some ways, it lessens 
your bench decisions like you have to make on a, any given week, but it also like makes them more complicated. In some way. So you can get more of your high end guys in there, but it creates more decisions in like a fun way and would recommend going to two flex spots. Matt, you'll also reference the roster every now and then as we move along here. We will also be using the ADP of our friends at Yahoo because we all agree that Underdog is filled with sharks, and thus it really doesn't represent your home league ADP. Also, one quarterback, one tight end. Thus, there are no rules here. There are no parameters. You can draft more if you wish. But hopefully, as we know, we draft uh, one quarterback, one tight end, and then move on. Yeah, Hopefully. like John said, we love being like best ball sickos during the summer, but Yahoo really represents <laughs> like the core of the season long game. And this will hopefully be what you're going to see in all your home league drafts this weekend, early next week, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, LaVisca Chenault's not going in the seventh round of a home league. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. He'll go in the fifth. No, he's going 10th um, overall right here. No, we're going <laughs> to attempt not to reach, though, right? I mean, the idea is to draft guys who are near the ADP where we're select of the position where we're selecting. So we're going to try to stick to that general vicinity. And with that in mind, Denny, you are on the fictional clock with yeah. the number 10th pick in this draft. So you're eyeing the Yahoo ADP, which people can pull up if they want to at Yahoo to follow along, and uh, so, eyeing some players in that vicinity, yeah. presumably a running back. I assume a running back. Uh, never, I've never heard of any of these guys, so I think I have to go receiver. Uh, so you, you have basically in this, in this range, you have Aaron Jones, uh, Tyreek Hill, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, and Devontae Adams. Those are the players in, in the range. I, I struggle and, and have for some time, I struggle since Aaron Rodgers came back between Ad, Adams and Hill here, you know, and I feel like you can't go terribly wrong with, with either. I tend to, to lean toward Hill uh, mm-hmm. because of the way he was used. And, and I know Daigle talked about this uh, a little bit, maybe a couple podcasts ago. Uh, he was used in the second half of the season last year where he got more underneath targets, like more of those sort of that sort of opportunity that can produce, you know, can more consistent uh, f- uh, fantasy points rather than those uh, huge spike weeks, which are nice, which are, we will take those and, we, and those win, win your weeks. But also, you know, the, the the downside of that is not connecting on the 50-yard pass from from Mahomes on a given week. So I think that kind of will flatten out the rough spots in, in Tyreek Hill's, you know, production profile. I, I'm going Hill. His average depth of target in that second half of the season sunk dramatically because teams started running a league-high rate of two-eye safeties against the Chiefs, daring them to throw deep. So rather, they increased Tyreek Hill's slot rate and target share and just said, we'll jam him targets underneath because he's the most explosive receiver in the league, and he still made it happen on 10.7 targets per game over the second half of the season. Also, 11 targets per game and three postseason contests. So Devontae Adams, also extremely high floor that goes beyond last year. Actually, 11.5 targets per game, going all the way back to 2019 of Week 9 when he returned from injury and 25 full starts with Aaron Rodgers. But I still chase, since they are so close together, the ceiling that I think Tyreo Kill can have if the Chiefs' pass play rate with a lead and a neutral game script carry over from the second half of last year into this year. I mean, if Tyreek Hill falls to 110 in a draft, I am just automatically doing that. And, John, you taught me the Devontae Adams floor is hard to pass up. Mm -hmm. Since his breakout, like, he was already a going concern for 2018. But 2018 is when he became, like, the Devontae Adams who goes in, like, the top six or seven in fantasy drafts quite frequently. Since 2018, he's averaged eight catches for 92 yards and a touchdown on wow. a weekly basis, like insanely <laughs> high floor, but with receivers, you know, it's so hard to say what is transferable from year to year. Like, will the uh-huh. usage really carry over that we saw in the second half of last season? You know, like, well, the, this amount of targets really stay, or was this, was the reason this player was getting 10 to 12 weekly targets because so-and-so was injured. The line was banged up. They couldn't run. Like what is really transferable? And like, it's transferable with, there's a lot of transferable things with Devonte Adams, but like not to get like film dinosaur, but like Tyreek Hill's speed is transferable year to year. It's the single most special wide receiver trait in the NFL. And he's just, uh, he, he's just the ceiling. The, so the floor is high and then he just possesses a ceiling that no one else does. I have to say quickly that uh, film dinosaur was the name of my jazz band in uh, high school. So thank <laughs> you for referencing that. Of course. So it seems like you guys are all, 
betting on some touchdown regression, negative, you know, hitting Devontae Adams, the guy who had 18 touchdowns in 14 games last year. It, I mean, that's got to factor into it. If someone wants to draft a running back here, I, I think it's fine. But also, we are all we all agree that it's much safer with Adams and Hill's floor than the guys that are typically left over in your home leagues from the tenth pick on, from the turn on. Um, Austin Eckler, if he doesn't get goal line carries, he's just the same guy, which is great, but probably not worth drafting in that range. Antonio Gibson, if he doesn't get third down uh, touches and snaps, he's also the same guy. Again, good, but he finished twelfth in fantasy points per game in his position last year. Not worth taking at the turn. Same go for Saquon Barkley and his health. Joe Mixon and mm-hmm. his health. The list goes on and on and on. So it's arguably that these players, these two receivers, are just much safer than that group of running backs. And so that brings us to pick 15. And a couple of the running backs that Daigle just mentioned are actually potentially an option here, Pat, depending on which direction you are headed. So we took Tyreek Hill 10. We're now picking 15th. Yeah, the way John was talking about the running backs, I mean, so will I get canceled if I take a running back here? Uh, Not necessarily. I, it's, this ADP is, is still better, in my opinion, than the term. And I know it's very like insignificant difference, but it's still better for that range of running backs. So yeah, I've got ADP. It's a 15. And in this range of ADP, like Steph Diggs and a blue moon could fall here. Then it's Austin Eckler. Then it's Patrick Mahomes on your home service type leagues. Like that will happen. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to go. He's going to go in the first round in some leagues. Uh, the Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf. Like my eyes, they, so they went to Austin Eckler at first. Then I was like, I agree with John. Like if he's not going to have a goal line role, like it's nice in a PPR league to get like 90 yards from scrimmage a week, six to seven catches. But I just need – a little more than that from Austin Eckler here. I mean, that's too, that, That's like his weekly ceiling. He's not going to do that every week. Um, Najee Harris is someone I'm so drawn to, but just the unknowns with the rookie and the Steelers' offensive line. Too we big think to he fail, has Pat. too big to fail. We I know we think oh, he right. has that three down role, um, but for me, as as much as I want to talk myself into the running backs here. With, are we supposed to approve? Is this supposed to be a group selection process, or is it just me? No. It's just you. It's just you. <laughs> it's coming down. So, like, the clock's ticking down. I'm coming down to Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins. And as the clock is ticking down, I'm panicking on the clock. And I'm going, screw it. I've owned DeAndre Hopkins so many different times. I'm going Calvin Ridley, who averaged 11 targets in eight games at Julio Jones next year. He's, like, he's just the guy now. He's, like, he's the new member of that DeAndre Hopkins 150 targets per year class. And I just rather bet on the young player. Um, yeah, just DeAndre Hopkins was a little, he was like pretty banged up last year. Like he played hurt a lot of the year, just starting to look a little older. I'm obsessed with Calvin Ridley. I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver with Ty- Tyreek Hill and, and uh, Calvin Ridley. Ridley, of course, 20 points per game and the seven starts he made without Julio Jones. It's an odd split to cite, even though I did it because Kyle Pitts, could be Julio Jones. We don't know how it'll be used. Also, he could fail. We have no idea which increases Ridley's ceiling, but either way, I would expect the target share and air yards, the opportunity to be there, and it's all about the process as our wives leave us. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that, that always uh, hangs over my head. Ridley, so you, you talked about Najee Harris and Matt uh, referenced you know, your way of describing him, Pat, and in, in, uh, too big to fail. I, I think that Calvin Ridley is in the same boat as a receiver, like just too big, too much opportunity that's going to come his way. You know, and he's he's a candidate to lead the league in in targets this season, depending on how much the Falcons are able to establish it, um, which I think that they they want to do. Whether they will be able to do that is an entirely different question. But I'm you know I'm, me I'm I'm all aboard the the Hill Ridley start to this draft and. I actually don't find a Harris pick egregious in redraft leagues, especially following the uh, Anthony McFarland news to IR. Benny Snell averaged seven and a half routes per game last year, whereas James Conner averaged 21. Uh, They're not going to throw Snell in that role. And given that Harris has the archetype of a bigger back for the goal line role anyhow, even in a game that I think they get blown out in week one, for example, like Harris is what is his floor? Four or five catches? Like I'm projecting for eight catches because he's not coming off the field for Biddy Snell ever. And That's thus right. I believe he's also safe. Yeah. Uh, even right, right. So so negative game script uh would usually freak us out. 
right? About, mm-hmm. you know, about a running back who has some competition for touches, for snaps, whatever. That's not the case here, I don't think, with Najee Harris. And so the Bills could win by three touchdowns in week one. And Najee Harris could could clear 20 PPR. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be honest. If I had been like drafting alone, say this is one of my home league drafts, you know, it's nine, it's nine fifteen Eastern time. I'm sitting here with like a local craft urban chestnut. I have an urban chestnut and like you know, my darkened office, I probably would have taken Najee Harris. But like under the glaring zero RB lights on the podcast, I went receiver yeah, like Calvin Ridley. Your seventy-year-old home league still emphasizes touchdowns at standard, anyway. So that's a different. That's a different home league. Okay. I have multiple home league, and that one drafts in person. I was at a super spreading event this week for the draft, awesome. and uh, so yeah. Parties. Big headline possibly here. Pat, do you go mood lighting for a night draft? Do you have like club lighting? <laughs> I actually don't. I have like a very intrusive fluorescent lights in my office right. that are on at night. So before we move to Daigle's first pick, which will be number 34, uh, just quickly want to say, if you're wondering why we didn't take Stefan Diggs there, he's, his ADP is 13, so it would have been a little unfair for Pat to take him 15th, like Pat said. And then I guess it sounds like all of you guys have Najee Harris ahead of Antonio Gibson at this point, two guys who are right next to each other in Yahoo ADP. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yes, uh, right next to each other, I have Harris ahead of Gibson. But again, that is that is tiers. Uh, Harris with Eckler, Harris with Mixon, all tiers. So if someone is nitpicking, yep. totally fine. I do think in a redraft, though, Harris is much safer than all the others. I'm three for three on putting Najee ahead. Okay, we've gone wide receiver, wide receiver. Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley at picks 10 and 15. Our next pick is 34th. Daigle, you are up. Well... We all start. We are starting three wide receivers in this league. Oh, no. So, <laughs> given that the running backs in this range are not ones I would budge for, I've come around a little bit on DeAndre Swift, but just the fact that we know he'd be splitting touches with Jamal Williams and also his injury status ahead of Week One slightly concerns me. Thus, why risk it? Uh, also, in this range would be. Uh, in terms of running backs, Daryl Henderson, whose ADP is still up there. But again, Sony Michelle sort of ruins that for everyone. I am not a believer at all in Miles Sanders, given that we know they're going to use all three backs. Although maybe it is a little more confident that they only kept three backs, Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, who also excel in their roles that they're going to play. So for me, it comes down to four guys between CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, five guys, Julio Jones and Tyler Lockett, the latter two Maybe they come back. Probably they come back. And so I will go ahead and take, as long as I'm not getting canceled here, uh, C.D. Lamb, assuming that that's reasonable for everybody. Do we think he's going to be 310 in your home league? I think so. I think so. Yeah. No, this is not underdog. This is not not a bunch of people who have been drafting since February 12th. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like we, <laughs> we uh, he, I believe he, he will be there in most leagues. And I think he's the pick. Yeah. That's right on his ADP at 34.6. Go ahead, Pat. I would probably rather bet on Chris Godwin if he heard. I know Chris Godwin has become like a kind of a lightning rod pick because Mike Evans is the guy in the red zone. Like the Antonio Brown narrative is the one that's really been percolating. But Chris Godwin, one of the still, even last year, was one of the most productive players in the league on like a per target, per route basis. I just feel like he's going to mind meld with Tom Brady. Like they didn't get a ton of time last offseason they did have some illegal unsanctioned covid practices but that's not that doesn't really substitute for the real thing uh he's basically like the mutant version of julian edelman like he's just such an elite talent i'm still comfortable betting on chris godwin but i'm also coming if the cowboys are serious about getting cd lamb like not parked in the slot then the cd lamb like positive positive like scenarios start to get very realistic. They are claiming they're going to move him all over the field. He does just seem like a special second year player primed to explode. I will say if I'd gone wide receiver, wide receiver, I would have seriously and like my own home league would have considered David Montgomery, who I have Montgomery pilled myself somehow this year. And uh, I just think that I think he's going to have so much more of the pass catching role than people are assuming. I think he seized control of that last year. And I just continue to believe Damian Williams was more about Ryan Nall and Artavis Pierce being inadequate NFL backups. They were both waived. And I, I just think he, he's not going to be the stretch run David Montgomery, of course, but I think he's going to be closer to that than like sad sack early career David Montgomery. <laughs> I am cracking my knuckles because it's been a while. So I will ask you, are you so confident in Chris Godwin that you're willing to bet dinner on him against CeeDee Lamb? 
Oh my god! I mean, I have to because I've I've been putting my money where my mouth is with that all summer and all spring when I'm drafting. So I, I'm just betting, yeah, on like the special player with Tom Brady. I just when I, I feel like if I were constructing a Tom Brady receiver like in a lab, I would construct <laughs> Chris Godwin. Basically, you would construct Antonio Brown. I will say, but that was Antonio Brown five or six years ago. I will bet because I think Chris Godwin. I just have this nagging gut feeling he's going to explode with Tom Brady. I thought you were going to say Scotty Miller. Uh, <laughs> did, also, for you guys, so so are you guys about to bet here? Is this is this going down? Has it already? That happened? is. What is the bet? What is the bet? Um, what is the metric we're going by? Fantasy points per game. CD Lamb versus Chris Godwin. PPR half PPR. I would say PPR, but PPR points I'll per take game. Half if you're more comfortable with that. No, nah, because there they'll be similar. They'll be similar, but we'll say PPR. We're both PPR players. We'll do PPR points per game for Chris Godwin versus CD Lamb dinner. In, Great, uh, beautiful Stanford, Connecticut. I'm watching your money go up in smoke right now, Pat, because uh, J.K. Dobbins is done. Ceh needs exactly one yard to win Daigle Harvest. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you off the hook on that one, Matt. Like that's not really fair, but yeah. <laughs> um, I will say though. For CD Lamb, it is encouraging at least that in OTAs in the spring, in camp, and in preseason games, his slot rate, his boundary rate did increase substantially. Whereas they said the same thing about Michael Gallup, and his slot rate did not increase. So I would imagine that CD Lamb is on the field significantly more as the team's de facto number two receiver who can outperform Amari Cooper, perhaps, maybe. I'm still a high believer in Cooper as well as the number one receiver. Having said that, if Dak's injury, which I bet with you knowing this, um, lingers into the regular season, again, I am on record saying C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper are not talented enough to buck Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci, Will Greer, who is also terrible with the Panthers. Um, They're just not good enough to survive with those quarterbacks. Cameron Newton, folks. No one is. No one is. That's a, The quarterbacks are not good enough to keep those afloat, I should say, right. not the other way around. Before we move to our next pick, which is Danny picking fourth, I just want to ask you guys about the one other receiver who's kind of bunched in there in terms of ADP. You've got C.D. Lamb, 34.6, Mike Evans, 35.6, and then Chris Godwin, 36.1. It sounds like Mike Evans isn't really even part of that consideration for you guys, even though fantasy drafters right now are making that decision every day. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm completely out on Mike Evans and, unless he dropped, I don't know, from 35 overall to like 55 overall, something like that. That's what I would consider him. But uh, yeah, I mean, his his insane touchdown production from last year is baked into his ADP. I, I, I believe he's being drafted above his, his ceiling at the moment. I, will, I think that it could be repeatable with Mike Evans, who... Tom Brady might have, might have just identified as his new Gronk in the red zone. And I, I wouldn't necessarily think – I wouldn't just necessarily say that his 13 touchdowns is like bound to regress for sure. I think 10 is probably still a fairly safe bet for Mike Evans and that he's just – yeah, he's the new Gronk in the red zone for Tom Brady. But the yardage ceiling is just not nearly as high as it once was. Tom Brady's not going to be lobbing these like reckless bombs the way Jameis Winston did and maybe not enough intermediate targets for Mike Evans either. He'll get like well set up deep targets, but he needs like constant deep targets. But I do think the touchdowns can remain steadier than people think with Mike Evans. We have our top three fades out from our last podcast we did together on Tuesday or on Monday. And uh, Mike Evans appears in that one. So you can go back and listen to that. If you didn't hear the in-depth analysis on that spin. Okay, pick 39, the fourth pick we're making. So we've gone Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley, C.D. Lamb. Denny is up. There's still room for one more wide receiver in the starting lineup, Denny. The flex is just looking at you right now. I just have to say, Denny, Judge Tomlinson, He is, this is being simulcast in his courtroom. Oh, um, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Uh, so I'm, I'm struggling here because out of the receivers available, I would look toward Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, but I also, in this part of the draft, I want Kyle Pitts. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> look, so it's, look. Kyle Pitts is 48.5. Is that is Are we considering that too much of a reach based on ADP, or are we okay with that? Where where, where am I drafting again? 39. But to get Kyle Pitts, you're going to usually have to reach. You're 39. Yeah, we said like a reach a full round is just being like is saying you're going to get your guy. It's not really yeah. out of the yeah. question. It's still sure. a realistic scenario. Matt, where, when's our where's our next pick here? Our next pick will be fifty eight after this. It's an hour never for old Pitsy. Yeah, so this is it. Yeah, this is moment of truth. Do it. 
Put your stamp on it. All right. All right. Let's do it. Kyle Pitts. You're fired, but that's all right. Uh, Judge Tomlinson just stamped yeah, a document. Judge Tomlinson crumpled up papers. It was very unprofessional in the courtroom. <laughs> Threw them on the floor. He can't believe it. He was rooting for you. And there's every indication that that Pitts is not going to be, you know, your typical hand hand on the ground uh, tight end, learning learning the position at the professional level and being taken on and off the field and maybe sometimes getting usage and maybe sometimes not. Like this coaching staff, and we don't have much to, you know, we don't have much from the preseason. We have one catch, right? One catch, 120-something yard catch in the preseason. That's it. Yeah, electric catch and run. And was it was it not cool looking? It was very neat. It was enough to make me nervous. As someone who's been fading him all summer, it was enough to make what's, me nervous. What's really stupid is that Corrine nailed it on the Tuesday pod with Reeves and Sean Siegel. He said that that one catch made him feel better about the few times he drafted Kyle Pitts. That's right. <laughs> it made me no, and 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 I've I've tried to get a much more exposure over the past like three or four weeks, and it made me feel a lot better. Uh, you know, the the athletic uh, is is full of stories and anecdotes about Arthur Smith the offensive coordinator, other coaches, and Matt Ryan working exclusively with Pitts on these special Pitts kind of packages, especially in the red zone and, and near the goal line, I think he will be treated as maybe with a 1B, the 1B in Atlanta to Ridley's 1A. And um, so I don't I don't think you're drafting a tight end, actually. It's kind of like drafting, kind of like drafting Darren Waller. I will say with Kyle Pitts, every time I hear this argument with Kyle Pitts, I think... So the argument is he's not actually playing the position he's listed as. And that's like the positive argument. And it, it's a, it's not a pie in the sky argument. It's like a legit argument, but it's just like, it just highlights what a unique situation it is. Like, no, 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 don't worry. He's not actually a tight end. Um, he's just a receiver the size of Kelvin Benjamin. He's faster than Kelvin Benjamin, folks. Way faster. I know. Don't don't even make that comparison, please, Pat. Yeah. You know you're you're in uncharted territory when that's the positive argument that he, he don't worry, he doesn't actually play his position. It's the same conversation that's happening at in home leagues, for instance, this weekend, wherever you're at, happened even in my home league this past weekend. A few people, friends came up to me and just asked, like, and had hot opinions on Kyle Pitts in both directions. You know, he's a rookie. No rookie has done this. Also, he's like the best rookie we've seen. That's the thing. It's all true. I'm stuck in like fantasy analysis <laughs> purgatory with him because I don't have a lean. I don't know. It could be the best. It could be the worst. I have no idea. And so I'm totally fine. I don't even argue against it when someone takes a mid fourth round, you know, third, fourth round turn, whatever, probably maybe he pays that off. Also, it could be a disaster. So however anyone's feeling, I say chase your heart. It could. Uh, and I have to just get this off my chest while while I can. And if I'm fired, I'm fired. But I, I believe that Kyle Pitts will be a borderline one, two mm pick next year or at the at the turn of the first second round. Oh, you're gonna say Hall of Famer. Um well Judge Judge Tomlinson is reducing your sentence at least. Um right. good. Good. I don't know why you're going to jail, but uh, you're going to jail for some reason. From a big picture standpoint when it comes to Pitts, I it's not even about him. I keep going back to the one stat that Rich Rebar, who again was on Tuesday's show, everyone should go back and listen to it, was a tremendous recording, cited that the it was the largest margin and scoring between the tight end one Kelsey and the tight end three Logan Thomas since 2003 last year. Thus, we should expect them to be brought closer together due to regression this year, which tells me that a guy at tight end four or five, a Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews, just by being slightly better than average, can be closer to Kelsey if that's true. And that's what I keep coming back to. The man is going to be George Kittle who does that. Problem. All right. Round five. Pick 58. We have... Three wide receivers and a tight end who's actually a wide receiver. Pass. <laughs> What's it going to be? A very good point when you lay it out that way. Listen, I'd really like to have a running back, one running back through my first four picks. But we like I think I like, feel like the last opportunity to get like a legit running back was this Pitts pick. Or, and not even like legit, legit. We would have to be deciding between Josh Jacobs in a PPR league or Miles Sanders like kind of planting a flag there, maybe Daryl Henderson. And I'm glad that Denny didn't do that. Just not enough upside. We badly need a running back, but I mean, I, I, Miles Gaskin is on my shy away list. James Robinson is in this range. Do I, 
really trust rational usage from Urban Meyer, who have, just have no clue how Urban Meyer is going to run this team. Um, Mike Davis in Atlanta, who has a three-down roll on paper, but we saw him with that three-down roll last year, and he wore down uh, extremely badly. Uh, was totally out of gas by the end of the season. So then I, you know, the clock's ticking down. I'm looking at, you know, there's quarterback. Should I take Russell Wilson? But no, it's, I'm going to go receiver, and I'm going to go DJ Moore, yeah. who DJ Moore, it's tough to say what exactly the role is going to be because he's been used in such different ways. But then I kind of look at that as a positive where he's entering his fourth year in the league, and he's already been used as an underneath option. He's already been used as a deep threat who averaged almost 20 yards per catch last year. To me, he's like on a Stefan Diggs career trajectory where he's in year four and he's already put like everything an NFL wide receiver can put on film, basically, where he's just a special player who can do anything. And I do worry about Sam Darnold being the quarterback, and I worry about Sam Darnold having chemistry with Robbie Anderson, who's come over from the Jets. But DJ Moore in the fifth or sixth round, past pick 50, I mean, he's someone who could be a legitimate wide receiver one to me. And when I see DJ Moore, I just see Stefan Diggs 2.0. And we badly need a running back. But I, instead of reaching for running back, I'm going to take DJ Moore. Good move. Staying strong. Just like how Rondell Moore is a seventh-round pick wrapped in a 12th-round pick in home leagues, DJ Moore is a third-round pick being wrapped up in a fifth-round pick right now in home leagues. Everyone continues citing the fact that he hasn't been a wide receiver one in his career. He just turned 24 in April. Over the past two seasons, he has the league's sixth most receiving yards combined of any player. The fact is he just hasn't scored touchdowns. But he did lead the Panthers in end zone targets last year. And being so young and having yet to break out despite his incredible production elsewhere, across the box score I don't think it just chalked up to this is a guy who's never going to score touchdowns there's clearly faith still here to have and if he does do that he's a top seven top eight guy so DJ Moore if we ever did a flag plan episode which we're not going to before week one I have DJ Moore in every single league also we have the luxury here of having we have DJ Moore as our wide receiver four pretty tremendous and, and and most people are are happy and rightfully so. It's fine. They're happy to have him as wide receiver too. And I think it's a realistic scenario because everyone is down on DJ Moore, especially when you have to choose between Tyler Lockett, Julio Jones, um, Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Everyone always goes that group. But I've been consistent since April. Could be wrong, but I lean DJ Moore over all of those guys. He should be, in my opinion, put with Allen Robinson and Terry McLaurin rather than that other group. I also think is a realistic scenario in the sense that even though this is not a real draft per se, it felt like a chance for that to be a panic pick for Pat. But instead of reaching for a position, he took a guy he liked. He held the line. Yeah. And and you're going to find yourself, that moment's going to happen in your draft, maybe multiple times. More often than not, the move is not reach for the position. You have to do it at some point, maybe, but take the guy you like. I'm surprised Degla hasn't mentioned this, but on this podcast last year, we built our ideal team. I, I think it was like the sixth or seventh round, not the fifth round. But we didn't have a running back yet. Spoiler alert, shocker. And I'm like, that's I'm taking Devin Singletary. I don't care it was if Josh a Devin Norris. Singletary draft, yeah. I don't know if Josh Norris, oh, I don't care if he's gonna arrest me or what. But uh I did it. I took him. I had no regrets except for instant regrets. I had no regrets. And uh that was Judge Tomlinson's first case he ever tried, I think, wasn't it? Was it Devin Singletary? Well, but I beat that case. I became an informant for Judge Tomlinson, and we've been building our case against Denny ever since. Yeah, I mean it, it, that checks out. Okay, we now have Daigle up. This is the sixth round pick. So just to review, Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley, C.D. Lamb, Kyle Pitts, D.J. Moore is the squad so far. Daigle has pick 63. I hate this. <laughs> Let's tell, us, tell us some names you're looking at. Tell us some names you're seeing around this ADP. There are three names because we are going to look at our league mates and say, y'all don't understand the shift in ADP that should have happened yet. And we can go Gus Edwards, RB1 because he hasn't reached this point here yet, but it's going to happen eventually. Uh, we can also say, how about we just win the flex every single week and go T. Higgins? Or we take the ADP jump that should have happened as well and go Damian Harris, who I also like here. The thing is, I will pass on Damian Harris. Oh, no. Because oh boy. <laughs> the pass catching upside, in my opinion, is not there. I believe 15 touchdowns is in his range of outcomes, but you need that to happen. Uh, whereas last year, even in the games without Sony Michelle, Damian Harris averaged four and a half routes per game. He's just not his role. He's going to play his strength because Belichick is smart, and he's going to keep playing his strength, which is a between-the-tackles explosive runner. 
which has upside, but we're not taking him here. I am going to go T. Higgins. Yeah, oh, no. yes. No, no. Stay strong, no. guys. Stay strong. Mm-hmm. Gus I, Edwards. I don't approve of this one. Gus Edwards is very viable selection here because I do believe he's a better pick than the running backs we've already passed on, and we need one still. And maybe we're about to see the avalanche happen. I don't know, Matt. You can tell us next pick if, oh, these running backs went. Now we're stuck in this range of ADP. You should have taken a running back last time. But I, otherwise, T. Higgins, we've already seen all the all the horrible reports from Jamar Chase, which I'm buying the dip on, but perhaps T. Higgins should have been the better pick over Chase all along. Just the fact that he paced as a rookie who really specialized only in deep threat ability, not as even a possession receiver um, in college, and then flashed potential 1,000-yard receiving yards last year if he had stayed with Joe Burrow. If Burrow would have stayed healthy all year, tells us he has tremendous upside that we haven't seen just yet. So the fact that we can now win the flex every week, in my opinion, and we're probably going to add another one, uh, still makes our team strong. So uh, Jack Miller has a great piece today on his guys in redraft on NBC Sports Edge. Check it out, uh, where he mentions T. Higgins. And just honestly, my mouth was watering as I'm reading this rundown of of Higgins because not only does Jack do do a good job of of laying out uh, Higgins' production with Burrow last year, he also talks about Higgins' uh, college profile, which we know was good, but may have been better way better than we thought because the Clemson team that he was on, I guess, two seasons ago was so good that he hardly ever played in the second half. So something like 83 or 4% of his production came in the first half of games that year. If he was on a team where he had to be out there all game for even most of the season, it would have blown the roof off statistically. So, and probably have been drafted differently. uh, Anyway, I'm, I, I am all in. Denny, let me get this straight real quick. You didn't make the T Higgins pick, but you're talking about taking T Higgins instead of running back, and we're citing his Clemson numbers from two years ago. No, no, no. That, um, that's just an addition. That's just the cherry on top because we we know what he can do in the pros. We do. We, that <laughs> we do. That's a good point. <laughs> well, so by making that pick, we did miss out on Damian Harris. His ADP is 74. So our next pick is at 82. We needed Dame Harris, uh, John. I was hoping, secretly hoping, you were going to go Damian Harris. It would have been. I, it definitely would have been Gus Evers over Damian Harris. Definitely. That, that would have been fine too. To me, yeah. it was Gus or Damian was the pick and I was just going all in on the Garrett Blunt 15 touchdowns for Dame. And T Higgins, by the way, in like the high stakes main event drafts has a top 20 ADP. Like he is not even close to this home league range. <laughs> yeah. So the, we also passed on Chase Edmonds there at 76. Yeah. That's a real shame. We <laughs> kind of have a couple, we have a couple running backs like coming up. We could consider. No, I meant, I meant that was actually saying, I don't know why I started talking over our host, which was really dumb. I know. That's all right. But Chase Edmonds of another guy we could have taken. So Matt, go ahead and tell us now, since we passed on those guys, who are the available running backs? And did we just get crushed by the avalanche? Okay. So we're picking at 82 now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is Denny, who's probably not even going to take a running back. So I don't even know why we're talking about well, this. Well, uh, well. Ronald Jones has an ADP of 79. Raheem Mostert is sitting there at 81. That's intriguing. I'm going to call that one intriguing. You have Trey Sermon, two spots behind him at 83.4. Javante Williams, 85. And then we get into, I believe, Melvin Gordon. That's in the 90s. And Gus Edwards is still in the 90s, though we think that's going to change. So are we are we eliminating Gus from this? No, no, he's on the board still. I mean, he's going to start that ADP will creep up all weekend, but he's on the board still. Yeah, I think we'd we'd be okay with taking Gus here. I think that's a sixteen seventeen pick jump, but we, as Pat said and Daglo said, we're anticipating a jump to happen. I was in a two QB home league over the weekend, and yeah, I grabbed him like mid. No, I grabbed him end of seventh. So that seems about fair. Yeah. Real question though, would you would you take Gus Edwards over Raheem Mostert? Absolutely. I would. I would. Absolutely. I, just because he has I think a more solidified dependable role. You know, not that he's going to like lead the league in rushing attempts or anything. That n- no Ravens running back is going to do that, but Mostert you know honestly between the injury history and the fact that they, you know, they went in on a on a running back in the draft, I feel like Gus Edwards is is the play there. Uh, I also you know, I like Javante Williams in this range, but I usually would, you know, consider him uh, more seriously if I had Christian McCaffrey. Like, you know, if I pick first, got CMC, then went a bunch of receivers and tight ends, and then got Javante. 
like someone who I, I wouldn't need immediate production from, um, but has the potential upside. As, as we know, rookie running backs tend to produce later on in the season. So um, we are looking at Javante very hard here, but I'm going Gus. Okay. Gus it I'm is. shocked and relieved um, that we have a running back on the roster. And as Daigle kind of hinted, as Matt kind of laid out, I mean, there's a chance that he won't be available here um, and that the ADP just hasn't caught up yet. Because it's what it's been less than a week. It feels like J.K. Dobbins got hurt like a month ago, but it's been yeah. like five oh, days. Tell me about it. And the ADP is just now catching up. But as John said, he got him in his home league in the seventh round post J.K. Dobbins injury. So it's not going to be unheard of. And this it will be like the now or never time for Gus. And I agree with Denny's pick of Gus. And and our friends at Yahoo updated Edwards' rank to like the mid twenties also. So if people are just going into their home leagues this weekend, they're going to see that default ranking, which is increased. So the ADP will cruise. That's why it may be a little bit cheating here. But yeah, we probably just cheated actually. <laughs> but hey, any way to get a running back on this roster? I asked. I asked. I said, "Is I know." Uh, Judge Tomlinson even he there was a court or he yeah. signed off on this. This is actually court approved, so this is not going in your file. All right, thank you. We've made seven picks. We have some more to make, but first we are going to take a quick break. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. We are in the thick of draft season, and to help you get an edge on your competition, we have extended 20% off our annual subscription using the code FBPOD20. So get fully prepared for your draft using our player rankings, projections, tiers, league sync, and many other tools, including setting player favorites and alerts for everyone on your team or who you are eyeing on the waiver wire. Guys, we've made seven picks. Okay, Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley, C.D. Lamb, Kyle Pitts, D.J. Moore, T. Higgins. We finally have a running back, Gus Edwards. I think we're going to make three more to make it a 10, and then we'll talk about some of our favorite bench considerations as we get into the late round, guys. Sound good? That sounds good. Sure. That brings us to Mr. Darty at pick 87. Do we think that Trey Sermon has fallen here as we kick off this pick? His ADP is 83.4. Would that be cheating? I don't, I don't think so. It's close. It's pretty close. I will say, by the way, my ideal... I think the past two picks, what we should have done, when John took T. Higgins, we should have taken Damian Harris. And then when Denny took Gus Edwards, we should have taken Jerry Judy. Could have had Jerry Judy on the old ball squad. Uh, could have had a slightly better running back consideration. That's just personally what I would have. But this is a team. I shouldn't actually talk about the counterfactuals. So we're building this as a, a team. And that was rude yeah. of me to bring up the counterfactuals. You're bringing up every scenario. That's the trade-off. Yeah. But yeah. I think Denny would be with me. And agreeing that we'd rather have the last two as opposed to your two. And, and uh, you, you look, Grandpa's upset. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You also, Pat, have the aforementioned Javante Williams to consider here if you're looking at a running back. I know. Well, should I take up which Bronco should I take? Should I take the Javante Williams or should I take Jerry Judy or should I take Trey Sermon? We're just saying Trey Sermon fell for some reason. He's available here at 88, folks. And, uh, or should we just keep, cause Jerry Judy, I mean, what is, man, is he already, he's already one of the best route runners in the NFL or so mm-hmm. I'm told. 
could be one of those guys. It's this is like way out there scenario, but I mean, it could be one of those guys who has like a secret 150 target season. Maybe more like 120 would be a good outcome for Jerry Judy, but it could be a guy that has like a stratospheric target number that you just don't see coming, and it's hard to pass that up. But we're getting near running back like the last morsels of people that could like create their own early season value independent of injury and kind of feeling like we might have to go Trey Sermon or Javante Williams. I say Javante. I mean, can we take Javante? I feel like that's a little. Yeah, he's 85.8. He's fallen. Wait, 84.8. He's fallen to me. People ignored the pre-rank on Gus Edwards. He fell. And now people are just ignoring. Uh, they're sleeping on Javante Williams, who I just selected. I just selected Javante Williams. Okay, okay. The pick, pick is in Javante Williams. Average draft position, 84.8. I will say that I know that that, sound, that sounds funny and everything. We're going to take him after his ADP. But in a lot of home style drafts, you will see running backs plummeting in this part of the draft because people are hammering wide receiver because they started the draft with two or three running backs. And now they're scrambling. They're saying, oh, God, I need, I need receivers. I need receivers. And then you're you're sitting there in the part of the draft where you're like, I mean, I guess I need a running back. And suddenly these these guys, these uh, you know appealing uh, fantasy players, they, they start falling. They start falling like, like Javante. I think that that's a reasonable scenario. Yeah, and I don't mind having that contingency value on this build since all we're doing is trying to piece together running backs and continue winning wide receiver and flex anyways. So we are going for ceiling running backs. And if Melvin Gordon is ever removed from the picture at any point, which I expect he is uh, at least a month after the season or into the season, then yes, Javonta Williams suddenly hits a home run. Okay, we are at pick 106. This is our 10th rounder. Still no quarterback. We just went Gus Edwards and Javante Williams. Daigle, you are up. All right. So we have two running backs. Gus Edwards, Javante Williams. Too, too many in the opinion of some people. This is but, making me um, all rethink my strategy. So some of the guys in this range, mm-hmm. A.J. Dillon, Zach Moss, James Conner, Michael Carter. It's a lot of, a lot of garbage. The nearest quarterback is, I'm seeing Joe Burrow at 113. Devontae Smith, folks. You're going to have to reach if you get, want to get Devontae Smith. Sell me on Devontae Smith. Just the clear cut. Well, the, 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 the selling you on Devontae Smith is like the football guy. He, he's, just, he's just a dog. He's just a warrior. I mean, 37 yeah. touchdowns for Nick Saban the past two years. But I do think Devontae Smith will enter the league as one of the best route runners in the NFL already. Like Unlike some rookie receivers, some rookie pass catchers, you can kind of construct the case. Like Maybe they're their team's top target. I am fully confident in Devontae Smith being the Eagles' top target. I mean, it's still after back-to-back years of using a first-round pick on my receiver, the receiver depth chart is just so barren. I think he's the kind of route runner, the kind of all-around receiver that he can just he can work with any quarterback. He can make any quarterback look good. He has worked with this quarterback before. I don't know how much how valuable that will really be. Devontae Smith's college reps with Jalen Hurts, but I just think he's a special player in the right targets place at the right time and that he's needed so badly by this offense. You know, who loves Devonte Smith film dinosaur absolutely loves that guy. They do. Oh, they do. They do. It's all about, yeah, we, I talked to the guys. I still keep in touch with them from my high school <laughs> jazz band and they, uh, they love, they all love Smith. All right. We are going Corey Davis over Devontae Smith. I love See, that. that that's, so the exact, that's the exact wrong pick. Uh, no. we, we've got the... I, no, no one... I, Silva actually looked over me at the basement. Like We were talking about rankings last night. He was like, what is the deal with Devontae Smith's ADP right now? Because even in main event leagues, I believe he's the, wide, the high stakes leagues. He's wide receiver 34. And uh, I haven't had him inside 40 all offseason for better or worse, just because no one can make a good argument to me except that he was a good college player. Wonderful. Well, and and he, he is like the number one. I mean, I don't think people really debate like he is the Eagles number one receiver. We were talking, Travis Fulgham was the number one receiver for a stretch last year. And he's like on right. the street now. It's a different um, offense. Uh, is my argument. And also I try not to bet into situations when even the coaches don't know the situation. Like we don't know what this offense is. Uh, we don't really believe in Jalen hurts his arm so much as we draft him for his high floor since he averaged 12 carries per game and his three full starts last year. And so I don't want to be with the group, what I consider like reaching or getting 
getting Devontae Smith at even kill value. Uh, if he falls, sure, but he never falls. And so thus, I just won't have any Devontae Smith. That's my take on it. He does fall. He won't fall in leagues like this, though. Yeah. And Ruta really boils down. I mean, I just think Devontae Smith, kind of along the lines of Kyle Pitts, is just a special player, which is what a lot of the Kyle Pitts arguments come down to, too. He's just a special player. He's just a different kind of prospect. I know Devontae Smith is already 23 years old, or he will be in November. And like maybe that helped inflate his final two years of college production, but I just think Devontae Smith is a special player. Is it, really what it boils down to for me. The thing about Kyle Pitts though is that he plays a totally different position that doesn't matter after the third spot, and thus like if you can find a ceiling player, that's tremendous. Whereas Devontae Smith is getting jammed, like Matt said, with all these other receivers, and so I would rather just say I don't know and avoid uh, a situation I don't like, and just wait and see who falls to me. That's how I play it. I mean, I don't judge anyone for not liking the uh, Eagles passing game situation. <laughs> Have we considered uh, the skinniness of Devontae Smith's legs? I haven't heard that. I haven't heard a word about it. I don't know. We, we'll run that through the analytics machine and see what comes down. Even though his wingspan is the most gigantic thing I have ever seen in my life. Uh, having said that, it's still Corey Davis, who in this preseason had 10 targets on 13 routes. Zach Wilson just jamming him targets every single time he took the field. That, of course, was without, was without Elijah Moore that entire time. But just the fact they already, in my opinion, established rapport, and he's going to get see a high target share is something I have confidence in. So Corey Davis was one of my biggest risers throughout preseason because he was always available and did show that rapport with Wilson. And so that's where I'll go. Okay, so Corey Davis with an ADP of 114.5, right next to Devontae Smith at 114. That was our ninth pick. Uh, it was somehow our 13th wide receiver. Denny, you are now up uh, at pick 111. We still have a glaring hole in the QB lineup spot. Is that what you're thinking here? or Yes, so what, what's our, our next pick is what again, Matt? It's 111. No, 111, and then what? And then 130. You're 111, and I'm 130. So 130. we will be... Okay. Oh, I should have I should have done a better job of setting you up. I could have grabbed DJ Shark and set you up for success. Right. So I want I want Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. But Lawrence is going at pick 122. 122. 122. And we're at 111. So not yeah. egregious. And it's a home league. There's probably someone who's like loves Clemson and like loved watching Trevor Lawrence has probably already taken him. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've messed around with quarterback enough uh here with quarterback spot. And I am ready. I'm ready to just draft Trevor Lawrence and go from there. Is that is that cool? I mean, I'm, I don't need your approval, but I'm just gonna say it. You know, just just to be no, nice. you do, and it is cool. And also, I don't think we have to account for the hypothetical Clemson fan, Pat, considering that we're ten <laughs> picks ahead of ADP. I think it's okay. Have a Clemson. This fan? is uh, bro, this is Judge Tomlinson. He's putting his hand over the mic. He's having an aide whisper to him. Is it? Yeah, the quarterback's fine. Yeah. It was it was either that or we wait for Justin Fields essentially. Uh, because right. the next group like, is the ones I think we could have passed on, like Baker, Tua, even though I do like them to a certain extent. But right now in this range where we don't have to reach or force a wide receiver or running back, I'm totally fine with it. Where's Fields going? Fields going 126.3. Yeah. Because, but because, Denny, you can't start him week one. So I know, I know. <laughs> Denny, we could have taken Tua, I guess, if he fell to 130 in my pick. But I think Trevor Lawrence was the play. Yeah, all right. We'll go with Lawrence. All right. So we have five picks left. I think we should just go kind of speed round through the bench okay. here. Let's just go lightning round. Pat, you're at pick 130. Pick 130. And, like, the first guy nearest my pick that I caught my eye was Meikle Hardman at 125. Um, but Michael Pittman at 126, has he fallen? Because if he's fallen to me, we're taking Michael Pittman at 126. Um, these guys are I, all so closely bunched together. I, I think it's okay. And when you look at these ADPs on Yahoo, you have a ton of guys between like mm -hmm. 125 and 130. We're not taking Ramadre Stevenson. We need Stevenson with his build. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, what's what are we uh, do with Pittman? We're not, we're never going to start him. Never. These ADPs are really, really, really stacked up, by the way. At the end, it gets um, really stacked up. So yeah. this is this is a strategy I've been using. I've been having an argument with a couple friends at 4-4 in a slow main event draft, and uh, they were trying to force the issue with wide receivers. But you see this group of players, the Nicole Hardman, Michael Pittman, Marvin Jones, Marquise Brown, Darnell Mooney, Jacoby Myers, the list goes on and on. They're all the same guys. Like, if you 
have enough hubris to say, oh, like this guy's better than that. That's insane to me. Just let someone else pick <laughs> them and take the two that fall to you because we don't know. It's not that this guy's better than that. It's that the role is better than that. And Michael Pittman is the Colts' number one wide receiver, folks. And, I just uh, don't – what does that even mean? He flashed alpha traits in enough games last year where I'm comfortable – a player I was excited about heading into last year. I think he showed just enough of it as a rookie. I'd rather bet on him a Michael Hardman who in two years has still never really showed – his pre-draft profile. Not that you're saying to take Miko Hardman, but well, the way. I mean, like, I um, I agree with Pittman over Hardman, but we wouldn't use either of them. Well, I, I would not speak too soon on Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman does have like uh, like an alpha outcomes and his range of outcomes, and has them this year too. Or like he, he's, I mean, we haven't soured on Michael Pittman as a prospect, have we? No, um, I feel like we're still bullish on Michael Pittman, are we not? Right. Six six foot three slashing alpha. Folks, um, usually a very well-designed offense. We have no idea how Carson Wentz is going to translate into that. Yeah, if but. you say if you say alpha three more times in the mirror, then I will definitely want to take Pittman. He's a, he's an alpha, folks. He's the, the alpha to end all alphas. Um, Michael there Pittman. it is. That's three. So Pittman, I did promise a lightning round, and that took like nine minutes. It's Pittman. I'm just taking Michael Pittman because I do. I'm locking in targets, folks. We need, we need Tony Pollard for this build too, honestly. So, Pat, you took Michael Pittman in an effort to actually turn this into a lightning round of the bench. Daigle, 135. Uh, 135. I think we can draft Gio here. Yes. Uh, Gio Bernard is here in this range. We have to have him. I understand the most recent news was mild high ankle sprain. High ankle sprains are never good. But also, he is the only Bucks running back with a defined role when healthy. Every first team snap that Tom Brady and Blaine Gabbert played this preseason, Gio Bernard played every single third down snap. Not a single running back, not even Keyshawn Vaughn when he was active, played third down snaps. So Gio is the Bucks passing back, and um, we need him. We do. I agree with that, actually. Okay. Denny, 154. 154, okay, well- Denny. My my Yahoo ADP runs out at at one thirty one. Chuba Hubbard is the last guy on the board. So what what am I what am I doing here? You're going to find that the two hundredth player off the board in Yahoo is Jonas Smith on average. He's going one hundred thirty first on average. So basically, the two hundredth player off the board has an ADP of one thirty one. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, I like Hubbard. I like I like Hubbard with our build with the way we're putting this together. Chuba Hubbard um, is what Danny said. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, I think I think Hubbard. I mean, you know, he's not going to have any weekly relevance uh, until until and if something happens to McCaffrey. But it's clear from the cuts that Carolina made on Tuesday to the way that he was used uh, in the preseason to the way that coaches talk about him that Hubbard would be the Mike Davis type player if CMC were to miss time. What pick are we at? 159? That was 154. We're at 159 and 178. I think at this point, if anyone has a, a late round flyer that they grab around here, let's drop that. And maybe a, a defense you like, because people are going to be drafting defense in their home leagues, and let's call it a day. I mean, Marquez Callaway is long, long off the board in this yeah, yeah, universe, yeah. correct? Yeah, he's gone. Um, uh, I mean, this is the time of year when everyone's catching up, and the first thing they see when they're catching up is Marquez Callaway blew up the preseason. Um, he's even recreational players know he's like an eighth, ninth round pick now. That's a damn shame. That's a damn, damn shame. It's gone. I mean, I would, I've been, you're right. With Kyle Pitts, we can't be taking Cole Komet, but I love in leagues where I don't get an alpha tight end kind of like banking. What I'm hoping will be cheap targets with Cole Komet, even as undead zombie, Jimmy Graham scores seven touchdowns. Um, but I'm just panicking, looking at the board. I'm I'm just vomited when I saw Tevin Coleman, um, Daryl Williams, can you get Daryl Williams here? Yeah, we're taking the mentor here. We just took the Matt just drafted the mentor for us. Uh, we panicked. We would have probably just preferred an upside wide receiver, but Ceh has left the door ajar for Daryl. The door was already somewhat ajar for Daryl Williams. Then the late uh, summer ankle injury for Ceh, he should be ready for week one. Maybe he's on a snap count though. And we have just drafted the mentor. We're taking a flyer at running back as we panic as the clock runs down. Okay, so this is wild. The Rams have a ADP of 72 in Yahoo Leagues. Rams D, Washington football team, 80. So we're not talking about those options. Daigle, is there a D that you like that, you know, you could grab at the last round of a draft? Yeah, everyone everyone 
continues drafting last year's stats when it comes to defense too. It's really odd. Uh, no, I'm drafting. I've said this before on previous podcasts. I'm drafting the Broncos in every yeah. league. Um, having said that, if, if the 49ers are available to you and no one reaches on them because you should be waiting till the very last round to take your defense, then that's who you grab because their schedule is immensely easier. Nick Bosa seems like he's going to be fully healthy in week one. So they're bringing everyone back, even though their secondary is scary. They can create enough pass rush for that to not matter, especially especially against an easier schedule of softer offensive lines. But if those go, if the 49ers, Browns, Bucks, for instance, go, um, the Broncos are the, the best pick ever. Not only do they have what I consider a cush matchup against the Giants in week one, where everyone comes back healthy, perhaps, even though they've been injured throughout the offseason, one of the league's worst offensive lines. And more importantly, we know the past half decade, uh, home field advantage doesn't matter. So unless it's like in altitude, unless it's atmosphere, like home field advantage is such a thing of the past. It just doesn't matter anymore. Um, even the numbers show it. So I expect the Broncos t- defense to roll. I expect it to be a low scoring game. Thus, perhaps you get the extra points for a shootout as well. And you will get turnovers because it's Daniel Jones. So I'm drafting the Broncos everywhere. And then the Broncos go uh, Jacksonville and the Jets, I believe, the next two weeks. So some potential beyond that. Correct. Feasting on our quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, um, in week two. (laughs) Let's talk about it. All right. So we ended up with, in order, Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, C.D. Lamb, Kyle Pitts, D.J. Moore, T. Higgins, Gus Edwards, Javante Williams, Corey Davis, Trevor Lawrence, Michael Pittman, Gio Bernard, Chuba Hubbard, Daryl Williams, and hypothetically, perhaps the Broncos defense. So I think the only one that we may have cheated on is Gus Edwards if his ADP continues to rise, which makes sense. But also, big picture takeaways. You can just replace it with a lesser running back that we passed on. Let's say instead you grabbed Raheem Mostert there, and this would be our list of running backs. Either way, we need two to hit at some point because we're winning receiver and flex every single week. Yeah, it feels like, I don't know, the Damian Harris feels a little bit like a point of no return in the uh, running back department. A little bit. Yeah, no, that, that, that's true. But thankfully, we got T. Higgins, a top five wide receiver. <laughs> true. Very true. Okay. Anything uh, to, yeah, final thoughts? Go ahead. I, I want to get quickly, just in case people are drafting this weekend, Denny, week one yeah. kicker takes. Thanks. Because you have a column on the site as well. I do. Yeah, listen, we're all aboard the Robbie Gould bandwagon for week one. Uh, Niners are you know, heavy favorites against Detroit. I know it's it's not at home, which is not ideal for kicker situations, but we're still in on Gould. I mentioned some other options in there, including Matt Gay uh, kicking for the Rams against Chicago, assuming that Andy Dalton will start, which I, think, I believe he will. Yes, uh, I can't remember the other guys, but anyway, check it out. NBC Sports Edge, it's, it's up there now. Also, I'm sorting through defenses right now for other selections you can take in the last round. Um, friend and co-worker Hassan Rahim mentions that perhaps the Panthers are a good one against Zach Wilson. And even though I am on record of saying I think that game shoots out, uh, I think both sides can put up a tremendous amount of points. It's risen to 45 and a half, I believe, last I checked. It started at 44. I think it should close around 48 because people are severely underestimating how bad both those defenses are. Having said that, Carolina has enough talent and Brian Burns and the list goes on and on where maybe they can make noise. They are kind of a sneaky defense and sneaky team to finish second in that division. And so uh, especially like if, if last round, everyone knows the Broncos, Buccaneers, yada, yada, that I've already said, maybe the Panthers are one you can take later. But I also will have the week one waiver column next week with defenses there. So you can wait until next Tuesday as well. Speaking of next week, folks, we are going to five podcasts a week where John Daigle and Pat Crane are going to just kicked off Monday night with their waiver wire show. Denny and I having a show on Tuesday. We have a first of two preview shows on Wednesday, another preview show on Thursday with Matt Strout. John, you, you even have a show on Friday, correct? A sixth show? We um, have building the blocks. DFS Building Block show is back this year with – Kyle Dvorak, of course, and then Denny Carter whenever he doesn't have the kids. <laughs> and we also have the show. Our Sunday night recap show is coming back this year, hosted by Patrick Crane this year. We will not have that next week, of course, because uh, there are no games. But that will be the normal schedule. We're going to have a show every day of the week. Uh, for this weekend, of course, NBCSportsEdge.com slash win to subscribe to our premium products. Still get our draft guide for this final weekend. Then get our season pass for the upcoming season, week one projections, uh, my rankings go up early and uh, the season passed and we have composite rankings from four or five of our writers 
going up on Thursday. Kind of lots of great premium articles. Um, so check it out at NBCSportsEdge.com. Also check out, I put out some rankings on the site this week. Check those out too. We've got everything you could possibly need for this weekend. We're going deep into the content mines, folks. We are. Uh, and Denny's not allowed to come out as part of his uh, settlement with him. I can't say I'm mentally ready yet because I tried writing week one content last night and I was like, nope, too early. Give me no, uh, give me Friday night and I'll jump back in for everybody. I tried to. I tried to. And I was like, eh, not ready yet. Maybe I'll see what's happening on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. Thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Daigle, Denny, Pat. Thanks to you guys. We'll see you next week. We made it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.